0: I did not trust the sweetest
1: There, take this uh, I, I, I had that card, there, there, take that one, I, I don't need it, I put it in the oh, uh, I see rock that's okay, I don't need it, take mine, no, no, I don't know, not need it, I don't need it, so.
2: We had extras too, here.
1: Run, right. yeah. stand before
2: well, Good morning. Good morning. Have you come ready to worship the Lord? Says, you know, it, I, ah, wow. I started combining two verses because I'm like, I'm so excited to be here. It, you know, it says, I was glad when they said to me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. And that's the way I feel it's great to be together in fellowship with the body of Christ. And, um, and that's what we want to do this morning. We want to celebrate, we want to have joy. But it's also a great place to come and bring troubles and burdens, discouragements, worries, fears. And lay them at the feet of Jesus, and that's what He, he wants to minister us. He wants to meet us right where we're at. We are—I n- don't want us to be plastic people with plastic smiles and fake, because we'll never get ministry that way. We come and we, we bring our real stuff, but we get to bring it to Jesus, and He will exchange our sorrows and give us joy. Uh, he will take our burdens, and that's what we want. Um, but boy we are not perfect and Christians have problems too anyone can relate with that (laughs) you know I'm sure that that probably this week at some point all of us had a worry at some point whether it's financial or health or for a child or anything else and that is part of life they come but really what what the Lord wants us to do and learn is to cast our burdens onto him they come and we don't want to keep them very long we should look at those things as hot potato it comes to you but don't don't get burned by them and uh, cast them off cast them off so we're gonna meet with the Lord this morning amen Heavenly Father we thank you for this uh, amazing um, opportunity that we have to worship you freely still God to lift your name up um, God to meet with you we ask that you would be here and ministering to us um, as we Love and minister back to you, God. And bless our time in worship. We thank you for all the people serving in different areas, in in the church this morning, and kids zone and the nursery, and, and doing snack and greeting and, and on the platform and and uh, interpreting and sign language and all things happen. We just pray that you bless all the servants this morning. We'd also pray for uh, the other churches that are meeting here and big there, God. That you would uh, strengthen the leadership and pastors to bring forth a strong. Um, biblically sound message this morning full of the anointing. God, we pray that you, the anointing would come throughout churches in Big Bear and that people would be touched, encouraged. God, that, that chains would be loosed from people's lives, God, and that you would bless each and every church that's proclaiming the true gospel. Lord, bless every one of them this morning. Lord, even now, is, is there's still churches that haven't started, Call, call your people and call the, the unbelievers to fellowship, to church this morning, that they might hear the word of the Lord. God, we thank you. We pray that you bless all those that are tuning in online here um, and wherever they're tuning in uh, at and, and even other services, that they would also be blessed and encouraged and that they would know and feel that they are part of the body of Christ, God. And we just give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Yeah Great is our God.
2: sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art thank you god for your goodness for your majesty for your love we love you we love do you love the lord this morning just tell him Tell them that you love them. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you,
1: Lord.
2: Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Now tell a neighbor that you love them too. I love you,
1: man. I love you, man. <laughs>
4: Good morning, Journey Church. How's everybody doing this lovely morning? Good. Well, hey, if you're joining us for the first time, we're so excited to have you here at the Journey Church, and we would love to get connected to you. Um, One way we can do that is by filling out the connection cards that are in the pockets of the seats, and you can put those in the tithe and offering boxes in the back of the room. I have uh, just a few announcements for you guys. The first one is um, we've had some donations of some different food items that have been brought in by Anita. Thank you so much. And those are going to be at the end of the hallway. So if you need some extra food and something in those bags or kind of up on the chairs, um, go ahead and rummage through and grab what you might want or need. And so that's available to you guys. Also, we are starting, or we started, actually, Elise, right here, um, a a (coughs) women's game night, or ladies game night, there you go, um, the first Monday of every month here at the church, and it goes from 6 to 8.30, and it's just a really cool opportunity for us as the women in the church body to get together and have fun and play games, so thank you, Elise, for putting that on. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I should go, I'm pretty competitive, so, (laughs) so just bring your (laughs) Um (laughs) A-games. Yeah, right, (laughs) I'm all, oh wait, wrong game, (laughs) actually, quick side note, I was the only person in my powder puff football team to actually score a touchdown, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, the last announcement that I have for you guys is that we are going to start having a Sunday night barbecue starting next Sunday night at five o'clock here under the circus tent. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> but that's what makes it so fun. <laughs> So we're going to barbecue, we're going to have worship, we're going to have the Word, and we're just going to fellowship with one another and have a good time. And so that's going to be the last three Sundays of August, so starting next week once again. Um, so that's the only announcements I have. I did want to read a quick little thing as we move into our time of our tithes and offerings. I'm going to read you this quick little story here. Okay, that's set there was a man who wanted to take up farming to make a living so he went out and bought about a hundred acres of land gathered up all the tools he needed for the farm bought a brand new tractor even a hat and a nice new pair of overalls he said to himself all right i'm ready to go so the next day he got up had a nice breakfast put his hat on went outside and sat on the porch and just stared at his land all day And even the next day, this process continued for weeks until the man was confused and went out checking the ground for even the smallest sign of growth. But there was nothing. The obvious reason is that the man hadn't planted any seed. Natural laws dictate that if seed is not planted, nothing will sprout. He can have all the tools, look the part, and even call himself a farmer. But until seed is planted, there will be no return. Now let's look at our scripture in Mark and see what Jesus has to say about the matter. And he said, the kingdom of God is, at, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed. We cannot expect a harvest without first sowing seed. The farmer in this story looks ridiculous. You'd have to be a fool to do what he did and expect a return. The same goes with spiritual law. Jesus said that by faith, the farmer scatters seed And when the harvest comes, he is in expectation and is prepared to receive it. If we plant seed in God's kingdom, we can expect without a shadow of a doubt that there will be a returning harvest. Amen? So as we tithe and we give, we are sowing in to the kingdom of God. And so let's just pray for that right now. Father, we thank you, God, that you have given us a plan and a purpose, God, that we're not just meant to sit on the front porch and and expect results, but Father, you've given us um, the necessary tools and resources to go out and to reap a harvest. God, to tell the world about who you are, whether that's through the ties that we give, God, or whether it's through um, the people we work with every day, our family members. God, we ask for just an overflowing of your grace, of your mercy, of your wisdom to reach those that are lost and need to know you. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be called your sons and daughters. God, for the opportunity that we have to spread your word and the good news of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: so good to to see everyone this morning. I'll come over here and get a little more centered. All you bright, smiling faces. Reminds me of the story of the husband who was at home on Sunday morning. And wife comes up and says, honey, why aren't you dressed for church? He says, I'm not going. I'm I'm not going. I'm sick of going to church. And she says, honey, you need to go to church. He says, give me three good reasons why I should go to church today. He says, well, you know, it's, it's good for you to, to be with other believers. He says, yeah, I get that, but none of them like me. None of them like me. I don't want to go. Give me, what else? He says, well, you know, God wants you to be uh, in his house. He says, well, I, I know, but I just, I just don't know if i get anything out of it or not. He says, what's the other reason? He says, you're the pastor. And with that, let's go to the book of Mark.
1: And we're going to start
2: with our memory scripture, which has nothing to do with the, the lesson today. And I know I, I, I've been, I miss them, um, but this scripture was just, it, I, and I don't think we've done it yet. So it's such a good scripture. It just came into my heart and mind this week. It's Proverbs 35. Proverbs 35. Um, if you're taking notes and you want to know the memory scripture, Proverbs 35. Um, it says, the word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who... Oh, man, we got a different version. Okay, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Um, another version, I think, says that the word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who put his trust in him. So uh, it's a great scripture to get in your, in your, um, in your heart, in your mind, because it, it brings us back to the word of God. The word of God is pure. It's flawless. And... and um, he will be a shield to us. And I tell you, you know, we know it's, it's crazy times and we need the Lord to be a shield about us, our hearts, our minds, our thinking. And so the best place to get that help is memorizing the word and fellowshipping with Christ. So that is your memory verse for the week. At the end of the year, we're going to see who memorized all the scriptures and we're we're going to get them all on paper so that we can we can uh, we'll, we'll hand them all out, and there, there there won't be 52 because I've missed so many, but there'll be at least 40, and we'll see if you guys get them. Okay. Amen. And at the end of the year, we'll probably do like John 11:35. Actually, Mickey already did John 11:35. He gave you a break that week. Do you guys remember that one? That's Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of you could get one scripture this year. Jesus wept. Amen. We're in the book of, uh, of Mark still. We're going to be there for a while, and, and we're in uh, chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and I want to read um, from... We, we may go beyond this if we have time, but we're going to go first from 13 through 17. I'm, I'm reading out of the ESV, so of you have NIV or New King James. He went out again beside the sea... And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples... Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came to call the right, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." Heavenly Father, as we go into the Word today, we thank you that it's blessed. It's your Word to us, God. I pray that as we would go, it would challenge and speak to us. God, I pray that we would rightly divide it, rightly interpret it. Um, I I pray that, Lord, my words and teachings would be yours, God, and not my own. Lord, uh, bless our time. Bless the here. Bless everyone who's sitting at home or listening in a future date. Let the word permeate and bless them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So this section is, is, I want to just bring out a couple of things. It's the calling of Levi. And some of you are like, I'm I'm trying to think of of the, the... Apostles, And I think the apostles are worse than the seven dwarfs. Because if you try to give me the seven dwarfs, you almost always miss one. And if anyone could really give me all 12 apostles, that'd be pretty, pretty impressive. I don't know if we want to test that or not. Does it, is anyone that bold that they think they know all 12? Okay, yeah, so this is a tough one. So, um, and, and honestly, part of the reason it's tough is because sometimes um, you find different names. Because in, in, the, in the New Testament, what we find is that some of the apostles had more than one name. And Levi might be an obscure one. You're like, Levi, I know I wear those sometimes, but I don't remember yeah. one of the apostles. Levi becomes Matthew. Okay? Levi becomes Matthew. And so when you see Levi, um, you, you got to just go, okay, so that's, that's Matthew. Um, and, and, and if... You are like me, and actually, I've read through this and never saw the connection until this week when I read and read and read and kept reading it. And I went, Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Wait, that name sounds familiar. Mickey, right? That, that, do, you, do you know this one? Alphaeus? Wait, wait, who's that? There's another disciple, another apostle, who says they are the son of Alphaeus. And it's James. James, the son of Alphaeus. I don't know how I've missed this forever. We got Matthew, son of Alphaeus, and James, son of Alphaeus. Anyone else catch? Raise your hand if you like. You got a couple? Okay. Awesome. And so here's the. We'll give a quick rundown on that. They're probably not related. That's it. Two two guys. Dad's name's Alphaeus. It just happens to be the same name. Like, you know, we have multiple Steve's. We have multiple Bryan's here. We got Scott's. We got. Yeah, we got. You know, we got. We always. Yeah, so that's probably it. Now, there is a thought I did have that could be, and um, is that. Matthew, Levi, being a tax collector, was hated by his fellow Jews. So it's possible that he was disowned and that even in that time that there was, a, there was such a strong uh, thing that they didn't list him as brothers. And the reason they say they probably weren't brothers is because James and John, they list him as brothers. Peter and Andrew, they list as brothers. They list all those apostles as brothers and they don't list them as brothers. So probably, most likely, they are not. And if they are, we'll have to find out what happened when we get to heaven. Anyone who tells you they know, don't believe them, because no one no one knows. And so I'm not that arrogant to think that I figured out. But I did like my theory. I liked that. I said, well, that would that would be something to be true because, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit is the tax collectors today. The tax collectors were Jewish, but they were hated by their Jewish brethren. So so why? And and you've heard a little, if you've been. In church for any amount of time you've heard this a little bit Rome was ruling over um, Israel and they allowed Israel to somewhat self-govern and this has been the case for the last you know couple hundred years that another governing um, country Greece was one of them would allow them certain uh, rights to 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 rule themselves mostly religiously and then they would provide oversight and they would of course tax them and that's what Rome was doing so they were okay with them doing their religious things, as long as there was no king, because there's only one king, that's the Caesar. And, but they would—they uh, would needed their money from every part of it. And this is a big part of the background of uh, the, reading the scriptures of the Jews in Palestine at this time, is understanding the heavy boot of Rome and even the taxation part. So tax collectors, they, there was a lot of taxes to pay. Um, they would tax per person. they would tax um, what you owned. They would tax the fish that you brought in. They would tax everything One of the so one of the tax collectors, and this could have been Levi would be set up by the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a huge uh, fishing industry. In fact, some of the names of of the villages around have fish names or or they had two names like Magdala. Uh, had a second name, and it meant a fish processing place, basically, where they would process fish. So the Sea of Galilee fishing is a huge thing. That's why, as we're going through Mark, we're seeing that Jesus had at least four, some people say up to seven, fishermen as his apostles. You know, four out of 12 is a lot. Seven out of 12 is even more. Um, And so fishing is a big part. Well, the tax collectors would then tax the fish. So the fish are there, and they're... they're, they're, when we think of fishermen in the Bible, remember, part of our reason for going through um, Mark and these, uh, the New Testament here is to um, understand the context because if, we don't under, if one, we understand the context, we actually understand what they're trying to say more. In the past, I and a lot of other pastors and preachers and teachers, we do these messages and when it talks about fishing, especially when we use like fishing for men, we set up this thing, it's like, yeah, so we're gonna go out and do evangelism, fishing for men, so you gotta get your pole. You've ever heard a good message about this? You gotta have the right bait. You gotta put it out there, and you gotta wait. You just gotta wait. You just gotta wait. That's not what fishermen did in, the, in in Palestine. They worked hard, really hard. They threw in their nets, they pulled them back, they cleaned their nets, they cleaned the fish. It was not a. How's it going, Bob? How's the fishing? That's not fishing in the in the New Testament. We need to think that way. Okay, so fishing is not that net fishing, either from the shore or from a boat. And so we've got these fishermen. They would catch, they would get their fish. They would pay taxes. So here they're trying to provide a living for their family. And uh, we don't know for sure if Peter and, uh, and Andrew's um, fishing business, Simon and Andrew's, was large or not. But we actually know that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, theirs was big enough to have a fishing Business. They had workers that worked with them. So these are not just family people making catching fish for the night for the fish fry. This is their earnings. This is their living. Uh, fishermen in this in this time they would be middle class people. Um, there wasn't much middle class, and there was even less higher class. Uh, even the uh, the Pharisees would probably be considered middle class people. Um, they were religious. We're going to talk about the Pharisees today. They were religious, but they probably lived at the middle class. The upper elite would have been the really good tax collectors, like the chief tax collector, and they were probably wealthy. We're going to see Nicodemus. Uh, if you remember Nicodemus, he was wealthy at the, at the expense of all his Jewish brethren. So he attained wealth at the, on the backs of all of his friends. Well, Matthew's doing the same thing on a level. We don't know the level. Were there tax collectors that maybe were, were not as greedy? I imagine there's, there's people that are more greedy and less greedy in every walk of life. We don't know where Matthew fits into this, where Levi fits into this. Um, so, but, but even if he was just doing the minimum, just with a little extra, and, and the reason they would always do extra on some of it is there were some fixed taxes that that's what you collected. There were others that, that Rome gave them leeway. And they said, so you can collect whatever you want and they would collect more, and that was their wage, or that was their bonus, at least. So we have Levi getting called to follow Jesus. Now, already at the beginning of Mark, if you remember, um, and we didn't cover this in depth, um, Andrew and Simon were already called out as to, to follow Jesus, and, and James and John, I think, were too by this time. So he's got a few of his apostles um, following him, and then he calls Levi, later going to change his name to Matthew, the tax collector. So he went out again by the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. He's out by the sea and he sees Levi. So there's a good chance that Levi has been taxing Peter and Andrew and James and John directly. So now Peter and James... And and John and, and Andrew they're following Jesus and now now in this section we're going to find that he has a lot more disciples. These are not all the apostles; they're not all called yet. These are some of the apostles and a lot of disciples who are following. And it even says here, the table and many tax collectors were there. There were many who followed him and his disciples. There were many who followed." So Jesus got a following, and they are considered his disciples because they are learning from him and they are being discipled by him. But they are not only the twelve. Okay, just clearing that up. So you've got you've got at least four of the apostles there. They're getting to know Jesus. Um, Jesus, by the way, would be more in line with a Pharisee than he would be with a Sadducee or some of these other religious sects. And right away, you're going, wait, no, not, not my Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit about Pharisees. Pharisees are not evil. Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. There was a, the Sanhedrin was made up of of uh, conservative, conservative and liberal, if you will, Republicans and Democrats, if you will. It was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. They each had their own views of, of some of the uh, parts of the faith of Judaism. They all agreed that the, that the Torah was important. They agreed that the temple, you had to worship in the temple. Sacrifices could only be made in the temple. Um, they, they all believed in circumcision, but they had some really differing beliefs. Um, the Sadducees were more secular. The Sadducees were, were a much more secular group of people. They did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They believed, uh, maybe today they would line more up with secular Jews. And if you've met a Jewish person, immediately you think, oh wow, you talk to him about the Bible, and they're like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm just Jewish, I just don't even believe. And, Well, they were a little bit more secular. They still read the Torah. They believed in these things, but they weren't all into the supernatural. So you could see why the Sadducees were a little sad, you see. (laughs) Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in these things. So now when you're reading, you see the Sadducees and Pharisees lumped together a couple times, but most of the time when Jesus is dealing with them, he's dealing with the Pharisees. So what, we think, well, the Pharisees were all bad. It's just not, it's not the case. The Pharisees were religious leaders who believed strongly in the Torah, but they also believed in, a, in the traditions that were being taught. Um, the Pharisees were the ones who were making up the extra rules on how to live and how to govern um, the people. Oral tradition. So the Pharisees believed in the Torah and they believed in all laws, but they were also the ones who were implementing all the extra laws, like how many steps can you take on the Sabbath? Now, that's not prescribed in the Bible, but they prescribed it. And so they were the religious leaders. They loved God. They wanted to please him. Jesus, because he was a lover of God, he was a lover of the word of God, because he was a teacher, uh, because he practiced miracles, because he taught about the resurrection, really would have lined up closer to be a Pharisee And some people say he may have been a Pharisee. We think Pharisee, we have to get that out of our mind. That's going to be really hard. Pharisees don't equal hypocrites, bad. It's a religious group of people. Now, here's the problem. Pharisees were having some of the issues with Jesus because he was breaking, in their opinion, some of the laws. He wasn't righteous enough. Let that sink in. Jesus wasn't righteous enough because his disciples didn't fast. We're going to read that next week, probably. His disciples would walk through the grain fields and pluck grain. He would heal. He would work on the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't righteous enough. Wow, that's just crazy, isn't it? And so, but but overall, they, they, he lined up more with, with them. And so that's they would be out there, and they were they were they were wondering about the Messiah themselves. They believed in a resurrection. They believed in miracles. Miracles started happening, and they were questioning things. I imagine they're like, well, who is this guy, and is this the Christ? And but boy, they did not want to admit that he could be the Christ because he didn't line up well enough with their Pharisaical laws with with their with their understandings. So. So we go back to Levi, the, the tax collector. Um, tax collectors were, were so despised that they were considered unclean. They, 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 they were unclean. In fact, some scholars say that you couldn't even receive money from a tax collector because his money was unclean. Because he was, he was that bad. So here we've got Jesus and his disciples. His apostles, four of them that we know. There were fishermen. Interesting, Jesus called them first, and then he calls the tax collector. And I'm gonna go way off out of out of script here, but I'm like, that's interesting. And here's what I think. And and it could be it could be something different. Jesus always had a plan, and he always knew what he was doing. And here, likely Peter and James and John, Andrew, there. That they're Jews, they're in right standing, they're not unclean, fishermen weren't unclean, they were hard workers, they were business people, and they have found that their rabbi, which, which was, was an honor, because by the age of, of their age, if you were a really good Torah student, you already had a rabbi. So these, these guys weren't good Torah kids, they were workers, and the rabbi called them. J- Jesus was a rabbi. People referred to him as teacher, rabbi. He had a following. And, and so this rabbi goes to them and says, hey, you get to be my disciples. That was an honor, an on, absolute honor to be the disciple of a, of a good rabbi. And so they're, here, they're with him, and now they're seeing miracles, and they're like, wow, we are part of this amazing moment. Who's ever been part of an amazing moment in your life? I mean, isn't it just like, wow, it's just, um, you might not have anything to do with it, but you're part of, of the amazing moment. The disciples, the apostles were part of this moment. This is Jesus and he calls Matthew. How dare you, Jesus? What are you doing? I imagine that these guys were not all that happy when he's like, hey, Levi. We're like, no, not him. (laughs) Anybody but Levi. He's been stealing our money, giving it to Rome. Jesus, what are you thinking? And I know none of you have ever had that thought about Jesus, ever. Said something like, Jesus, what are you thinking? Why did you make me go through this? Why did you allow that to happen? You know, they're just the people. They, they are human. They have not been with Jesus very long. We can use the word, don't get too literal in this. They're, they're baby Christians. They haven't been saved very long. What are we expecting from them? And you can tell from Peter and all the stuff that we learn about Peter down the road, he's just kind of spontaneous, and he says dumb things and he does dumb things. Peter's unrefined follower of Jesus, and I imagine this is where I'm kind of landing on this. I could be wrong. That Jesus says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock their world. I'm gonna rock their world because I'm gonna let them see me." Call him. So he could have called him first if, if. If Levi, Matthew, would have been following Jesus already when Peter and James and they all came to him, one, they might have said, well, I don't want to be part of that. Or they would have went, well, I guess something happened with Levi and he changed and then Jesus called him. Right? Okay, I guess he changed first. Because certainly, Jesus wouldn't call somebody who hadn't changed. Jesus would wait until they're better. Because we want in our church only people that are good. No sinners allowed in this church. Get cleaned up first before you come to the journey. No way. But sometimes we act like that. Sometimes we might have that problem. And so I, 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 I'm going, man, Jesus is so cool. He's like, I got these people. We're having fun. He says, Are you ready? Levi, come. And then he goes to have dinner with them. Jesus called the person from his sin and then went and met with his other friends, tax collectors and sinners. And it doesn't say that he was preaching at them, trying to get them better. It says he was reclining at the table with them. Isn't that a great picture? That's, I'm, I'm going to relate with you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to love you. And some will follow and some won't. He wasn't waiting for them to clean up. So as he reclined at the table in his house, in the house is probably um, in the house of Matthew. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many following. So we know tax collectors. You know, I I was trying to think. I mean, we 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 think we don't like our IRS agents. I mean, I I know is uh, I think Felicia had a neighbor, and and you might even be here this morning. Um, it was an I, I think was an IRS worker, and I tell you, she says, "Oh yeah, my neighbor's an IRS worker." I went. For a quick second, I did. I did, these poor people. I mean, you know, if you were an IRS IRS worker, would you actually want to introduce? Yeah, I I worked for the IRS. You'd probably lie. Hey, so what do you do? I'm a thief. I'm a drug addict and a thief. You'd almost say anything. And, And the tax collectors of Jesus, they were worse.
1: They were
2: worse. And so, so they're, they're there, so he's got all, not just one, but he's got all these other tax collectors. And I believe it's because something happened in the call when Matthew was called by Jesus that he left his business. Now listen, as a Christian, as a new follower of Jesus, Matthew can't go back to his trade. He can't do it. The fisherman can still fish. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, what do we find happening? They keep going fishing some, they, throughout the New Testament. They go, oh, we're going fishing again. Jesus dies, let's go fishing. They're fishing. Matthew didn't go back to because that changed. Everything. He, he had to leave his profession and his wealth. And now he's got sinners. And so this is the one I want to hit real quick. And he's sitting there with sinners and I'm like, okay, what, what is a sinner? And, and we're all sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you see this term throughout the, the New Testament, tax collectors and sinners. So we don't know for sure, but here's probably what a sinner is. A sinner is somebody who doesn't want to take the time to follow all of the, of the rules of the Pharisees. They might not necessarily be totally unclean, but they, they will work on the Sabbath if they need to do some more fishing they will um, do certain things. Maybe they'll, uh, they won't wash their hands in the prescribed manner of the Pharisees. They're people who probably love God, but they're falling short, especially in the eyes of the Pharisees. They're sinners. And, and really, if you were a good Jew, to be like a Pharisee was, was okay. Again, they're not bad people. They're just very super religious. Um, their ideas, they're, they're very strict, they're, they're very, in that way, they're very conservative. Though they also have their, their oral traditions that they're following. Um, I was thinking Amish. Okay, Amish, very strict in their adherence to biblical principles, as well as all the extra stuff that they make up, right? No cars, you know, no, no electricity, I had a friend who's, they were, they were, uh, they were Mennonites. Mennonites are kind of like liberal Amish people. And, um, and they said, yeah, they, they were, the, in other words, a Mennonite's probably an Amish person who has a TV in the basement. But, um,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, and they, and they drive cars, right? They, exactly, like Amish, no cars, no, no modern things. In some ways, it's like the Pharisees, it's like, wow, but they're, they're so pious, they're so religious. We think, oh, they're just yucky. There's a part of them that they they just wanted to please Jehovah, their God. And they think everyone else needs to do it just the way they are. And so who's at this table? The tax collectors, of course, they're bad. But these other regular sinners, non-pious, non-religious people are there. And there's Jesus right in the middle. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors... So, you know, churches have changed a lot. You know, people will even, you know, we, we bring coffee. You know, might bring a drink. Some people might bring a snack. You wouldn't have been eating in the, in, in the synagogues. There was probably no coffee stand right there. Um, the teacher would go to the synagogue to do the teaching. He's going to go somewhere and the people will come to him. That would be fine if Jesus was teaching the tax collectors and, and the sinners at the synagogue that would be acceptable but he's hanging out with them sharing a meal with them bad jesus wow Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And they ask you, See, real quick. So quickly, the scribes. The scribes basically were a group of, of, of people um, that would, would translate or, or re-copy um, copy the, the Torah and they would write them down. They'd been doing that for hundreds and hundreds of years. At first, it was just a little occupation. You, you, a scribe would take the Old, old Scroll and the New Scroll and they would copy letter for letter. Well, they go like that. Yeah, that's correct for you because they go uh, right to left. And, and then up and down. They'd copy each thing and they would count this, the, the characters this way and this way. And they all had to match. Everything had to line up perfectly. And then they'd have a good copy. And then if this was a bad copy, they would destroy that one. And then this would be the new one. And then scribes would, some of them then would start copying for new things. But it was a very exacting job. And it was just a job. Over time, they began to get some wisdom. You know why they got wisdom? Because they kept reading and copying the Word of God. That should speak to us. You know what? I don't have to be a scholar. I don't have to be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Or I don't have to be a, a religious leader. But I'm going to spend time reading, writing the Word of God. And they began to get wisdom. And they became in a sense scholars of the word because this is what they did all the time. So people would even go to them to ask questions after a while. They became they had their own status as as teachers or, or as people who had wisdom. And so the scribes of the Pharisees, so they were there and they're going, You're not supposed to do this. And and here comes Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And and Jesus gives this wonderful section. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is loaded. Because some people say, so is he saying that the scribes and the Pharisees were, were righteous? Actually, he's not. But, but he, he's, he's probably being a little sarcastic, going, yeah, I, I'm calling those who recognize that they're a sinner. That's who he's calling. Tax collectors, they knew. They were out of the good graces of fellowship and out of, maybe even out of the good graces of God. Sinners knew that they weren't living up to the standard either. They weren't as righteous as the Pharisees. And he was calling them and they said, I need something. I need something. The righteous have no need of a physician. In other words, those who think they're righteous, they're not going to go to Jesus church, I think we have the same issue in our hearts. We have the same issue sometimes in the church. You know, we, it's re, it, we have to be very careful because it's easy to come to church and, and look at ourselves and go, you know, we're doing really, we're doing pretty good. And compared to them, compared to them, we're doing really good. And I can't, I, I really can't hang out with them they're sinners. So we have our potlucks and our dinners, and we just invite each other over all the time. We have to be careful that we don't find ourselves being similar to the Pharisees, not wanting to take the healer in us to the sick, or or perhaps call the sick to come. Now, Jesus didn't chase down people who didn't want to hear. In fact, most of the time we find that people just followed him. They wanted something, so we. Have, I don't think it's always appropriate that we're chasing down sinners. But give an opportunity. But let's 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 have a meal. I've had I've had some people say you know I did. Over over the time of my Christianity, it's like, yeah, I don't. They're really not serving God right now, so I don't, I don't want to have a meal with them. And I think you're missing the point of the Scripture says, where it says if somebody's out of the faith, don't even share a meal. Don't do something to encourage and put a stamp of approval on their life. That doesn't mean you can't love them. It doesn't mean you can't um, have a meal and, and love and pray for them. And show, you know, bring, bring the physician to them. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Do we know ourselves well enough to know that we need a physician still? Everyone in this, in this time needed a physician. Some of them didn't get it. You know, it's, there's, a, uh, there's a great, uh, in John chapter 3, we're going to meet somebody. Or, well, we won't in Mark, but in John you would if we were reading John. You know, read, read, you're going to meet somebody. And, is anyone watching The Chosen? or has watched it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of license in there, and the stories that, that you're seeing are are based in the Bible, and then filling in a lot of blanks of like, maybe, perhaps, you know, and, and we just started finally watching this. We're a little bit slow. Uh, that we've been wanting to, and we just started watching it. That whole thing with um, Mary Magdalene and Nicodemus at the beginning was just so, so powerful. Is that what what it happened? Honestly, probably not. But, could have Nicodemus ever ran into Mary, sure. But 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 I like what they're doing with Nicodemus because he is a teacher. He is the teacher of teachers. He's a Pharisee. He is. He knows God, and, and he's not necessarily bad. Remember, he's just a Pharisee. And so he starts hearing about Jesus. He, he hears about Jesus, and, and we're going to John 3, if you're, if you're making notes. This is in John 3. And it says that Nicodemus goes out, the Pharisee, the teacher of teachers, goes out by night. Why? Because his other buddy Pharisees, they're not so into Jesus yet. But Nicodemus is going, He has something. I need to investigate this further. It's a great passage. And so he comes at night and they have this great discourse. And the teacher who who believes he knows a lot, and he's studied and he spent time starts asking jesus these questions let me i'm just gonna go over there i wasn't planning to but i'm gonna go over to john three a little bit here it was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus i preached i'll probably do it again preached a message um called nick at night (laughs) few quite a few years ago and uh uh, because it says he, he came to jesus by night and said to him rabbi teacher rabbi we know that you are a teacher from god no one can do these signs unless God is with him. So, yeah, Nicodemus has recognized godly miracles. So, so he's not against Jesus. He's, he's for God. And he's now seeing this rabbi have power. And he says, and, and Jesus goes right for it unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And he says, How can. And now he goes into this, 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 this dialogue with him about what does that mean, being born again? that uh, verse five it says unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god well now that's got to be piquing his interest a little bit what do you mean the kingdom of god i i i can't enter the kingdom of god unless i'm born again and um how can these things be verse verse nine he says are you the teacher of israel and you don't understand these things Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Jesus saying, we've, we're living in a whole other realm of healing of God. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? It's just a great, great passage. And of course, just shortly after that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. This goes in. Nicodemus is a seeker. He's recognizing Jesus. And you know what? Nicodemus doesn't have to, he, he doesn't stop being a Pharisee, actually. He follows Jesus. And at the crucifixion of Jesus, there's two people helping to take the body of Jesus down. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. We can be religious and be missing the Son of God. We can be doing all the right things and living a pious and righteous life, but we can be missing what Jesus wants to do in us. We can be missing the, the point of Jesus having meals with the sinners and the, and the tax collectors, those that are just, we don't really want any part of them. And, and I've been I've, I'm guilty sometimes. You know, we don't always jump up and down at the thought of of sometimes being with certain people. Uh, When I used to do a lot of street ministry, one of the things that could be really, really hard, and it still is if you've worked with them, is sitting down next to a street kid or a a homeless person. There is a smell that I can't, it's just bad. You know, sign me up for that. Jesus would hang out with the sinners and the tax collectors. We don't want us to to allow ourselves to be to be the the Pharisees that think we have it all. We want to be a Nicodemus. We want to be a Matthew who says, I'll leave everything and, and and I'll come and I'll follow you. Jesus, of course, was the son of God. But when he lived here, he had all of his senses. He had temptation. Um, he didn't want to go to the cross. In, in, uh, back to the beginning in, in 13, I wanted to hit this, and it kind of went, went too fast. So I want to go back there. In, in the ESV, it says he went out again beside the sea. And I think the NLV says something similar. Um, once again, he went out. The again is really important because this is the same writer. So, so he wouldn't say again unless he had already re- referred. What does he mean again? I think he's referring to uh, Mark 135. I think it is. Just go back a page. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And and that was out of uh, Simon's house. He he was there and he, and he went and, and then people, they go out and look for him. So here we are in chapter 2 and he says he went out again beside the sea. And I think he went out to go pray. Go be by himself. What happens? The crowds come. And so he ministers to them and they start following him everywhere. We see... Numerous times where Jesus goes out to pray. In Luke 3, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized and he was praying when the heavens were opened. Matthew 14, after he said, sent, sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Mark 6, a little bit further away, right where we're at, but then Mark 6, after bidding farewell, he left for the mountain to to pray. Luke six twelve. it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer. Luke 5, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And it happened in Luke 19 that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. So now he's praying, but the disciples are with him. He's not praying with them He's praying alone and they happen to be there and they start talking to him. When the disciples are on the boat and Jesus isn't with them and they think they see a ghost, it was because Jesus sent them in the boat and he went up to pray before he joined them. If the Son of God, Almighty God in the flesh, takes time to pray in order to recharge himself and to get a good focus, shouldn't we? I mean... I mean, I, you could preach a message going, you know what, Jesus didn't even have to pray. You should pray. Why? Because he didn't need to. Did he really need to pray? But we do. But Jesus prayed, setting an example. And there were times, he, he, as, he as he often did. And then, with the, with the power of God, with the understanding of God, with the Holy Spirit inside of him, he does these amazing things like care for the sinner and care for the tax collector and here's the thing, though. He called them out of it. He, he called them out of it. I was challenged this year, a few months back, and, and I'm I'm working through this. And it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Jesus called Matthew out of the thing. He called people, he says, repent and believe. So he's not saying, just keep doing what you're doing. So well, when I talk about having a meal with sinners, I'm not saying... You just hang out with them and tell them everything's going to be all right. Jesus did call them out of it, but he didn't wait until they were all better. In fact, I think they were all a bunch of knuckleheads the whole time. The whole three years. I mean, you know, you got Thomas going, well, I won't believe unless I can stick my finger in the hole. Peter going, I'll never deny you. And a couple hours later, he's denying him. Cutting off the servant's ear. I mean, these guys were just like you and me. I mean, right? It's so sad that there's people go, I won't go to church because I was hurt at church. I'm like, I was hurt at my workplace. You know, they got my order wrong at, at McDonald's. The church is full of people that are just like the disciples. We're works in process. Nobody's arrived. Some are a little bit more rough than others. Why is it though? And this is where the church in general, and we are good here, to we are really good at calling the sinners to come. I mean, that's not a problem, is it? You get somebody, you know, man, they're they're just they're just. They're not doing real well with their life. Maybe they're on drugs or, you know, they're sleeping around. They're doing whatever. And we can go and we make that call. Like, You know what? Jesus loves you just the way you are. And we believe that. And we say, come. And they come. And the grace level starts dropping. Because a couple weeks later, we're like, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're messing up still. Come on, get it it together. You know, it's been a couple of months, and I just don't know if you're... And we start treating people like they should be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but it took me some time to get this good.
1: And, and humble,
2: too. As my tongue goes into my cheek, it took me this long to fake it. Right? Right? Because we like church, we like church. If you're here, you probably like it. Some people don't, you know, but you like it and you go, but I'm messing up, I'll just fake it. Why? Because there's not a lot of grace sometimes. I'm talking to myself. There's grace, yet we're supposed to be a work in process. We gotta figure this one out individually. We should be moving closer to Jesus, letting him do a work in our life, be willing, like, like Levi, to let go of the stuff, but know that it's going to take some time, and God's going to do a work, and he's going he's to deal with one thing at a time. You know, some of you, maybe when you first came to Christ, or maybe you're, you're coming now, God does this thing most of the time. He deals with, like, one thing. He doesn't deal with it at all like you know some of us if we would have like come to Christ and then God says okay ready I'm going to deal with everything today all your sin all your bad habits everything ready go we would just left under the weight but God in his grace and mercy he would I, I, I like he'd put his finger on something and he and, and sometimes it was as simple as this I want to take that from you. He never put his finger on me and says, you are so bad. Stop it. He healed me, liberated me. And then when, when that thing began to get, I get, started getting a strength. Remember so when you started getting a strength? And you're like, oh, I did it. He'd go, that one, Oh, really? That's an issue too? Yeah. I'm going to free you of this. What do you mean free me? He says, you think you like it. It's hurting you. It's holding you back. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans not to harm you. I'm going I'm I'm to touch you. I'm gonna do, we're going to do this together. But we, we see people and we're like, they're just, they're not going quick enough for us. Let's, let's have grace. Let's have mercy. Let's love one another. Let's encourage each other challenge each other's good be challenged by others let's have some meals with some tax collectors and sinners because I I was and still is I'm still I'm still a work in process there is a day that I'm going to be perfect and it's on the other side of the finish line and until then he's going to keep putting his finger on me if I let him Rob, let's deal with that. Can we deal with something else? Nope. It's time. Okay, Savior. Rabbi. Lover of my soul. We'll go that. Where are you at in your journey? This church's name is prophetic. It wasn't just a fun, cool name. God gave God gave me the name of the church. We we've been Big Bear Christian Center for, you know, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And and when we were transitioning um G, Pastor Jeff says you need to think about changing the name of the church. Well, if you've ever known somebody who was transitioning, becoming the new pastor of a church, it's like yeah, you don't want to do everything. You you'll you'll die and I'm like, that's the last thing I want to think about. They're, they're getting a new pastor. They, let's, let's give them a new identity. And plus, I couldn't even think of that. I'm like, well, I wouldn't even know what to do. Big Christian Center is great. And, and a few years later, out of nowhere, I'm sitting down, and I heard the Lord. I wasn't even thinking, is it time? Honestly, I just wasn't thinking. I was just doing the, the man thing. You know, because men actually have the ability to think about nothing. I don't know what I was thinking about. It's, and, I, and, the, and the Lord said the Journey Church. And then he unfolded it. Well, by then, I had already, God had already showed me that we're all on a, on a journey, not that I'd use that word. He says, we're all doing, taking this, this trip, and, and what God wants to do is every day grow one step closer to Jesus. So, you have to take steps on a journey, just all, I'm like, that's it. See, the journey the whole life down here is the journey. It's not the journey to get saved and then the journey ends. And your journey didn't start when you got saved. The journey started the day you were born. It will not end until the day you die. Along the path, you hopefully have come to Christ. But that was just part of the journey. Then you have to live out the rest of the journey, growing closer to Jesus, falling over the rock that got in your place. It got in your way. And you're like, why did I fall on that? Have you ever tripped on something like that you step over every day and you're like, one day you trip and you're like, I have been stepping over that same rock, that same curve, that same step for 20 years and then I trip on it? What's up with that? That's part of the journey, isn't it? Sometimes you fall as a Christian. You trip. And you get back up and you say, I'm going to keep walking how are you on your journey as you're on your journey are you open to god saying it's time we're going to deal with that and i'm going to tell you something if you've been saved a long time the things god is likely dealing with you now is not doing drugs and having sex out of marriage you know and some of the things that you're stealing from the company it's probably not the big stuff those things i shouldn't say big stuff it's probably not those obvious things. They're probably things like that attitude you just gave when pastor asked you to serve. (laughs) Yeah, that? We're going to deal with that. That homeless guy who came up to you at the gas pump and you quickly looked the other way jumped in the car? I want to deal with that today. That's the things he's dealing with you now if you've been saved for a long time. So I don't want to discourage you. Those who are earlier in their journey, it never ends. Don't want to discourage you. But you can say, you can know that you can look around you. If you're younger in this, in this thing, you look around you and, and, and pick out some of, some of the, the gray-haired saints. They're still being challenged by God. And God is still working on them. Why? Because He wants to free you. He wants to give you hope and joy and freedom. And we tend to run back to the things that keep us in bondage. He's calling us forward. He's calling us outward. And He's got a lot of grace. Amen? Let's close in prayer for us. Rabbi. Precious Jesus. We were all sinners, tax collectors. Many of us are trying to be disciples and apostles. We're trying to follow you, yet we are still have our issues. God, I pray that you would continue to draw us closer to you. Continue to heal us and set us free from our sin, from our bondages, from our attitudes, from our flaws. We thank you that the word of God is flawless and that you're a shield about us. God, I pray that you would change our hearts towards the tax collectors and sinners of our day. Help us to be like you. Help us to call them and yet be willing to meet them right where they're at. Get to know them. We were them. And Lord, this morning... There's people in this room that are feeling that they are them. God, we're all just on this journey. I pray, though, that today would be the day for some in this room that they'd say, I'm going to start the next phase of my journey. Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want to take that step to be a, become a follower of Jesus. And there's a lot of things in my life that need forgiveness. Lord, we thank you that you can, for, you do forgive every sin and you remove it from us. And that's just the beginning of the journey. Lord, I pray that those would just be willing to say, "Forgive me," and I'm going to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would have grace on all of those in every stage of their walk. Lord, I pray that when we look to people who've been at this a long time, and we see them stumble, that we we don't get critical. And we realize that they need grace still too. Let us be lovers and givers of grace and givers of support and givers of encouragement and help us to receive those things from others and from you. We take one step closer to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anyone needs any prayer for anything specific, some of the guys and ladies will come up and, and pray. Um, so, I got some of my people who love to pray for people come forward. I do have one quick announcement. I almost forgot. And um, you leave it online too if it's still online. But um, there is a, a need, and if you're interested, it is from the Homeless Coalition. And they are looking for um, computer savvy volunteers with their own transportation to assist with the housing application process for homeless people um, or at risk uh, at-risk being for about to lose their home. Training's available, and that's coming up in a few days. So if you are interested, you can connect with um, volunteers at mountainhomeless.com or just see me, I'll give it to you. I'll just forward this information to you. Um, anyone who uh, wants to serve that way, you'll be working with another believer, Paul Fournier, and some other people that we know. God bless you again. Anyone who have my prayer people come up, and I already see Bethany come up for prayer, so someone come and pray with her. And All right, God bless you. Don't forget, next week we're going to fellowship, which is the word for pig out, yeah. and then we're going to worship and pray and have some time together. God bless you all.